This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. There we go. Welcome, 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 to, welcome to Anytime. Welcome all of our live viewers over here on Zoom. Thank you so much for joining us here for this series called Journey Through Midos. So before we start, <laughs> I was just saying it's very cute that a lot of people signed up here. I don't know if you guys know what in, what in the world this is, but let me just explain you a little bit. So you understand what this idea is, what this series is, and what we're, what we're going to be doing over here. So before we start, I do want to give a shout out to Chami Landman from NASA, who, virtual round of applause, who, there we go, everybody go crazy, for, um, for putting this all together and for putting in the time and effort. I think it's in her schuss that we have like 500 people who are RSVP to this live event. Um, they see something from NASA, they know that it's quality, and they sign up. Anybody on tour, anytime, who wants to get involved... The email address is nasanow at gmail.com, and I'll send you a flyer for future events. That is something for you to know. I also want to thank Torah Anytime for, for everything that they do for the cloud, as well as for hosting this thing over here. Now, this is going to be a journey. We're going to be doing this for a series of weeks, maybe potentially months, maybe potentially up to a year. So I'm trying to make something here that's going to be lasting for a long time. And what I'm requesting over here is that as we do this, um, jot down my email address, which is email at marriagepro.co, email at marriagepro.co, and, and be in touch. Let's, let's do this together as a group. Send me, um, as you go along, I'll tell you certain things. Tell me your journey. Tell me certain things that we're going to be doing together. Um, let's try to do this as a cohesive group. I will not get to all your emails because I get a million emails, but I do read all of them. Shockingly, I do read all of them. So I will read it and I will give like a quick response or an automated response, but I will read your email. Let's see if we could get some sort of interactivity going as we do this. Um, I did guarantee that we are going to do this for a short burst. So this is not going to be an hour and a half class. This is going to be 20 to 30 minutes. Well, we didn't start the 20 to 30 minutes yet, but we're going to start the 20 to 30 minutes in a couple of minutes. Um, and each week we're going to go just 20 to 30 minutes, not more. This way you'll be able to do this while you're driving in your car or while you're dancing at your friend's wedding or while you're stuck in a business meeting. You'll be able to just quickly just tune in once every couple of weeks and just continue along this journey with us as we go along. Now, I see a lot of you are writing and taking notes already, and I see that a lot of you are jotting things down on your phone, your computers, your laptops. Wow, it's really amazing. Um, I think that you will appreciate and, and, and enjoy this sugya, this topic that we're about to get into, as much as I did. So, what are we doing here? What in the world are we doing here on a random Wednesday night? So, the story goes like this. So, I, many of you know, many of you don't know, but I deal a lot with couples and a lot of girls who are dating, a lot of guys who are dating as well. Um, and what... There are some men. So if there are men who got on over here, please, please, please um, drop off over here so that nobody can see you, um, so that we don't have any conflicts of interest, if you don't mind. Um, thank you so much. All right, so what happens is over here, um, for the men who are not listening, please listen. All right, so what's going on over here is, thank you very much. So what's going on over here is as follows. So whenever I give seminars um, and I ask girls, I say, what are you looking for in a shidduch? And they all say, a guy with good midos. And they say, okay, who here in this room has good midos? And everyone's like, me, I have good midos. So it's like very simple. Like every girl has good midos and every guy you know, needs to have good midos. And all the girls and the guys, everybody has good midos. We've just solved the shidduch crisis and we've brought an end to all you know, world conflict. And we've just solved the nuclear crisis that's you know, looming in the next 30 years. 
Because the idea of Midos is something that everyone says, and everyone says, and everyone says, but it's, it's a sugya, it's a topic, it's something that has to be studied and learned, and I've been saying this for many, many, many years. And then I came across, I was doing a little bit of, of, of research, and I came across a Sefer, and the Sefer is called Cheshben HaNefesh, okay? If you can see it, there we go, Cheshben HaNefesh. And this Sefer was a favorite of none other than Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. And Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was the founder of the Muslim movement. And what the Sefer talks about, and that's what we're going to be studying loosely, is that the idea of Midos, when you think of Midos, you normally think somebody has good Midos or bad Midos, or somebody's calm or patient, somebody talks nicely, you know, but I could tell you that I've dealt with many people who talk very, very nicely, and they're so sweet, and they will stab you in the back, <laughs> and they will be the worst friend, and, you know, and, and there's so many different parts of people. People are very, very multidimensional. And what the Sefer goes through and explains is that there are 13 Midos. 13 Midos. And if a person studies each one of these 13 Midos in depth, they will find that they actually can put themselves on a journey to slowly mastering one Mida after the next. Which is why sometimes you find, for example, you find you have a person, it could be a boy or a girl, who's very, very sweet, but they're totally disorganized. You could have somebody who's very patient, but somebody who, who at the same time, they could, they could suffer from anxiety. There could be so many different complexities to the human mind that if you start on a journey of going 1 through 13 from each of these midos, a person can come out at the end and be like, wow, I am a transformed person, I've gone through this journey, and I'm able to get there. Now what are these 13 midos? I will not tell you tonight. You'll have to stay tuned, we're going to get to them in the future. But tonight I want to do this as a sort of an introduction so that we can have a bit of an insight into how we're going to formulate this journey. So, nature or nurture? That's the question, right? Nature or nurture? Does a person grow up with bad midos because it's something that they just have? Or is something that somebody learns from, their friends, their schools, whatever the case may be? The answer is both, right? Psychologists will agree, Rabbanim will agree, everybody will agree that there's no nature or nurture. It's a combination of nature and nurture. Every one of us has inherently four sources for who we are when we start off our journey. A person has, number one, what's called matnas elikim, God-given talents, God-given ways that they feel, emotions, their psychology, person has whatever Hashem gave him. You could have two children, one of them, two brothers, for example. One of them is an incredible ball player. As they say in, in yeshiva, he's got the handles, he's able to dribble, he, he, he's an athletic you know, guy. And then another one, totally two left feet, tripping over himself, he can't do it. One of them has God-given talent, the other one does it. Same thing when it comes to our midos. Certain people are born inherently with amazing Midos attributes. They're calm, they're passive, not passive-aggressive, they're sweet, they're wonderful. And then other people are just not born with that. That's first part of nature. The second is inherited. Inherited. A person can be born into a family. The family genes can have whatever those Midos may be. Um, it's, it's, a, it's ironic, I find, that a lot of times when we're teenagers, so psychologists will tell you that there are 
what's called pull-away years. When children are young, they realize that they're young, they're little, they can't handle you know, things on their own. But you've heard of the terrible twos. What's the terrible twos? When a kid hits around two years of age, it gets up, it starts walking, it's walking with this little swagger, and it's like, I got this, I figured out this whole house, I got this whole system down. It learns to say no. It doesn't just learn to talk, it says no. It becomes very assertive. That becomes its pull-away year. It's the year where the kid says, no, 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 I got this on my own. I'm good, right? That's that pull-away year. Same thing when a kid hits five or six years old. That's when it starts to learn math and it knows how to read. It's another pull-away year. Teenagers, it's like one long pull-away year. Like we're always trying to like assert ourselves when we're teenagers. But what happens is when we're asserting ourselves and we're teenagers, we oftentimes look at our parents and we start to rebel. And we go, oh, mommy is so much like this. I'm never going to be like that. I'm sure you guys heard this in your families, right? I'm never going to be like that. And then we go, oh, Tati or Daddy is just like that. Oh, I'm never going to be like that. And then as we get a little older, we start to realize like your father's sitting on the couch and he's like scratching his head like this. And you're sitting on the couch and you're scratching your head like this. And someone's like, you know what's very funny here? Like you guys, (laughs) you guys are like very, very similar, similar mannerisms. You talk the same because a lot of things are inherited. And because it's inherited, it's just who we are. But it's not just physical attributes. It's our emotions. It's our psychology. Some people are very argumentative. Some people are very passive. Some people are very organized. A lot of this comes, that's just the nature of how a person is born. Nurture. A person has chinuch. Parents raise a child. They could raise them one way. They could raise them another way. It could go to yeshiva, as well as environment. So it's the chinuch of the home, as well as the surrounding environment that creates who a person is. Opening of the Sefer is that every single person starts off with their own pekel. And if you would take 13 and you would multiply 13 by all the variables between all of these midos, you would end up with millions upon millions of calculations. This formula would be endless as to how unique each one of us is. Each one of us is different than the other, and that's a beauty. And therefore, our starting point for this journey of taking each one of these 13 and moving it slightly to the right, slightly to the left, will be its own journey. Says the Shla, that taking Amida and changing it is one of a person's primary responsibilities and purposes in this world. So what does that mean? It means that we live in a world which is crazy. We have Hamas firing rockets. We have Miron tragedy. We have all these things going on in our lives. Say Chazal, when these things happen, our gut reaction is to run over to our friend and say, why did this happen? Why did Miron happen? Why did, the, why did the bleachers collapse? Why did this happen? You know why it happened? We'll never find out. One day, we'll find out. But you know what our goal today is? Our goal today is to ask the question, how do I process this? That's it. Because everything that happens in this world is a part of a, bit of a bigger picture. It's a part of a test for each one of us to take our midah, whatever midah is being tested, and then to say, wait a minute, if the whole purpose of life is to take my midos and to perfect them, so how do I do that? I take life, I take life, I see how it's affecting me now, and then I say, oh, I got sad, I got depressed, I got anxious, this guy just dropped me, this person just yelled at me, my boss just fired me, Whatever is going on in our lives, oh, somebody got beat up on the street, you had anti-Semitism, Hamas, Israel, whatever's going on in the world. Why did it happen? That's not a question for this world. What is the question? How do I deal with it? 
Why did it happen? In part, it happened for each one of us to continue down this journey of self-perfection. That is mind-boggling. That means that everything that's happening is happening for us to take a minute and to process each and every event in the world as if it's a message for each one of us. With the billions of ways that Hashem created each and every one of us uniquely, and for us to say, what can I do different in my life? How can I process this information differently so that the next day I am slightly a different person than I was yesterday? Now, in the olden days, olden days, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, they had something called a base musr. A base musr. What's a base musr? So it's a house of musr, right? So when Rabbi Victor Miller went to learn in Europe, they told him about this thing called a base musr. And he said, okay, I'd like to see what it is. Now, we're talking to girls here, but there's many men listening, and some of you are married, and many of you will become married very, very soon. And your husbands will tell you that in yeshiva, they have something called musr seder. What is Musr Seder? What is Musr Seder? So you sit down with Chavrusa and you open a book and the book says whatever it says, right? And then you go through it. So you would imagine that a base Musr, which is a house that is dedicated for Musr, would have many, many books and many, many topics and you'd sit there and you'd read through it. So Victor Miller headed out into the forest and he sees this little cabin and it says on it, base Musr. And he opens the door and he walks inside and you know what he sees? Nothing. Nada. It's empty. And he's like, what's going on? Did they take out all the books? And they explained to him that a base musr is a place for a person to introspect. That is musr. We talk about musr development. It starts with a person connecting honestly and in a real way with themselves. We live in a society that is the exact opposite of this idea. Every single second of our day, our phones are buzzing and beeping beyond, beyond what's normal. When we're taking a shower, we put on music. When we're sad, we watch a movie. If we have a second, we catch something on Instagram or Netflix or, or, or a second. Or even we listen to something positive. We're constantly being inundated and stimulated with our senses. The idea of starting a journey is to learn to talk to yourself. The Svarim say, the same way a person believes in Hashem and has a chiv to believe in Hashem, a person has a chiv to believe in himself or herself. We have to start a process of having conversation with ourselves. Real conversation with no headphones, with no phones, with no screens, with no nothing. And just walking and thinking, and if you're a little interesting, actually verbalizing and talking to yourself. Or at least thinking, thinking to yourself. And what are we thinking about? As we're going to go through this journey together, we are going to have thousands of different thoughts that should be flooding through our mind. But if it remains a Torah Anytime video, then it just didn't do the trick. It has to become a part of us talking to us and not someone else talking to us. Every single Mida will have to become a conversation and every single concept will have to become a conversation between between a person and himself. 
So I want to share with you tonight just the first idea, which is so potent, and it is something which, when I learned this, I started learning this with my son, who's off camera over here. Don't stand up, please. Um, and <laughs> I started learning this with my son, my 10-year-old, Shimi, whose birthday is upcoming, Mirza Hashem, next week. Yikuwa happy birthday, Shimi, Baruch Hashem, he's turning 10. And we started learning this, and we're literally like dancing as we're learning this. And it's one idea, which is really life trans, it's, it's, it's life changing, but it's very, very difficult to actually implement. And I'm going to explain it to you right now with like the eight or seven, eight or nine minutes that we started. By the way, we're going to start at 20 minutes. No, I'm joking. We already started it like 10 minutes ago. Don't worry. Okay. Relax. All right. So here we go. All right. What is this first idea? So the first idea goes as follows. Is that a person, psychologists will tell this to you, and the Makar, the source for this is really goes back to this Sefer and many other Musters Farum. Is that a person has to recognize that the key, if you were to say one key, one differentiation, one differentiation between successful people and not as successful people is the ability for a person to accept long-term gratification over instant gratification. This is a very, very, very famous study that was done back in 1972. It's called the Stanford Marshmallow Experiment. In that study, scientists went ahead and they took a bunch of kids and they gave them a marshmallow and they said to them, here you go, here's a marshmallow, we'll be back in 15 minutes. If you don't eat this in 15 minutes, we'll give you two. Half the room, eh, <laughs> one marshmallow is good enough, they ate the marshmallow. The other half of the room, they waited, they waited, they waited, they came in, they said, here's two marshmallows. They said, thank you very much. And they tracked these children over time and they realized that the ones who waited they waited for the long-term gratification. They said, those children, I'm going to read this to you, they had better life outcomes as measured by SAT scores, educational attainment, BMI, body mass index. Okay, They were skinnier. <laughs> they were skinnier and they ate more marshmallows. Okay, And other life measures. Now, why is that? So the study and really common sense tells you very simple. Because there's a huge difference between instant gratification, things that taste good now, things that feel good now, and building for the long term. A person can eat because right now this tastes good, or a person can eat because I know that in the long term I will feel good. There are so many people, they go on these crash diets, today I gotta lose weight for my sister's wedding, right? Right now I have to, I have to, I have to. They, they go on the band. I just cut out my stomach. I, I, I can't, right? Whatever, the sleeve, the gastric bypass, right? They have like all these things. What happens to most of these people? They gain it back. 50%, 70%, 90%. Well, what happened? They cut out half your stomach, right? It should be half the size. The answer is because we have fat brains. Our brains are programmed for that instant gratification. So our brains are fat. <laughs> and because our brains are fat, even though our stomach is small, we're like, no, nah, I just got to eat this. No, nah, I just got to eat this. I got to eat this. But the minute you change your brain to thinking long term, the minute you change your brain to thinking long term, you pick up a food and you look at it and you go, how will I feel in a half hour? How will I feel in an hour? You have just mastered or started to master the idea of thinking for long term gratification. And if you don't master that, you could cut out half your stomach and you'll still gain it back within two years. Whoa. Because psychologists and basic common sense and the safer explains to us that the difference between non-successful people and successful people 
are that successful people, the first midah they work on before any other midah is mastering the long-term over the short-term. It is mastering the long-term over the short-term. I'll say that again. It's mastering the long-term over the short-term. And this idea goes across the board on almost everything that you touch. Long-term versus the short-term. You know, every time I deal with a couple, so they're, they're having shalom bias problems. They're fighting, they're screaming, they're yelling, right? So a lot of people, they come and they're like, I want this to change now. I want, it, I want something to happen now. If you, if you stop for a second and realize that the whole goal is to have long-term sustainable change, then I'm going to share with you an idea which I've seen, I've practiced this with, through many couples over the last decade, and I can tell you that it overwhelmingly works in, I would say, over 80 to 90% of couples. And this could be with Shalom Bayes, it could be with Chinuch, it could be with food, it could literally be with anything. Is that if, when you try to change something or do something different, it hurts, you feel like you're moving and changing, then you're doing it wrong. I know I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for saying this. Okay, I'm going to say this slowly. If when you're trying to change something, you, you, you get up in the morning and you're like, you're fighting with yourself. Like, I can't eat this. I could eat this. I can't eat this. I could eat this. Right? Or stay calm. Don't stay calm. Stay calm. Don't stay calm. Be patient. Don't be patient. If you're fighting with it, you will find that that is not long-term sustainable growth. It's not going to actually be something that you actually change. But if you put into your day two to four things, three on average, which is what I try to strive for with many couples, three things which slightly move the bar and don't feel very painful, if you put that into your day, you will see drastic change over the long term. That means that let's say a parent is struggling with a child. If, they, if the natural reaction of a parent is, don't do that, get down, stop that, like the yelling and screaming, because that's how parents react. That is very short-sighted. It's, very, it's right now, get off, do this, stop that. If you say to yourself, you know what I'm going to do differently? I'm going to take my calendar, and every day I'm going to do three things differently for my spouse, three things differently for my children. It can be simple. I'm going to make them lunch, I'm going to take them for a small walk, I'll send them a text, whatever it is. Short, small, attainable goals over a few weeks, you will, you will not feel the change, but the change will be built in. Does that make sense? You will not make the change, but the change will be built in. I have a girl, a seminary student of mine, who came over to me a couple years ago, and she said to me that she, she wants to get married at the end of the year, but she felt that she needs to work on her tzniyas. So she said that, I gotta work on my tzniyas, so, like, once I work on my tzniyas, then I'll feel like I'm ready to get married. So I said, okay, what does that mean for you? How are you going to work on your tzniyas? So she said, I, I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to be like, I, I got to work on my tzniyas, and I'm going to be like all intense about it, and I'm going to talk to myself, and I'm going to learn sparring. So I said, I have a very good idea, okay? Every day, go to your closet, one, once a day. It's going to take you t- 12 seconds. You're going to open your closet. You're going to find something that you think is not so tzniyah. You'll take it, and you throw it in the garbage. You go on Amazon or H&M or Macy's or I don't know, wherever, wherever, wherever people shop, yeah? And you'll order a replacement for that thing. So you throw out a shirt, you'll buy a new shirt. You bought out a sweater, you throw out a new sweater, right? You're going to do this every day for as long as it takes. And come back to me in like a month and let's see where you're holding. After like three weeks, she comes back. She's like, okay, <laughs> done. <laughs> that was easy. 
<laughs> Done. <laughs> that was easy, right? She was able to do it. If you just put something in every single day, then it will stack itself up, right? Nobody eats a Danish and then gains 200 pounds, right? It's the Danishes on top of the burgers, on top of this. and That's how we gain weight. It's the small incremental changes in our lives that actually make a difference. And I, want to, I want to end with this one idea, which absolutely blew my mind. I think it's going to blow your mind as well. And I'll see you guys again in two weeks. So here's the idea. Lel HaSeder, the night of the Seder, brought down in the Shulchan Aruch a halacha, minig, inyan concept that what people used to do, or people still do, is they give their young children by the Seder, they give them a geizim, they give them nuts, and these kids would play with these nuts, they would crack them, walnuts, they'd break them open, they would open them up, they would eat them. There's an inyan to give this to your children by the Seder. Okay? Sounds like, okay, you give this to like your, I don't know, like what age? What age is good for this? Like give it to your 10-year-old? No, that kid's going to have like a binder full of divrei tire, right? Give it to your 2-year-old? He's not going to know what he's doing. So it sounds like a very select age, right? Like, I don't know, 4 years old, 5 years old. And like it probably lasts in most of our homes like 9 seconds because if you even do this because your kid is busy like n- negotiating with you for a convertible for a Zafi Coleman present by, by Manish Tana, right? I don't know, that's how it works in my house. <laughs> like, before we even start Manish Tana, they're like, I want the Zafi Coleman, I need two cars and a Segway and a Tesla and whatever. Whatever, it's kids these days, it's a problem. So, so, <laughs> right? So, right? Okay, so this is my child who's living in his Tesla now. So, what's, what's happening, what's happening is, is that you have a kid, a very small age group, it seems, that you're able to, to say to this kid, here's a, here's a walnut, and here's a nutcracker, and go ahead and see how long this lasts, right? And most houses, it, it, probably, probably less than a few seconds. So like, what is this Indian? It's like a very funny Indian. Like, the kid's going to eat two walnuts, ten walnuts. How many walnuts is a kid going to eat before like this halacha needs to make it into the Shulchan Aruch? He brings down an incredible idea that I never thought of, but it, 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 it's transformative, so we have to share it. He says, this idea of giving your children walnuts is not necessarily for the children. It's for the parents. What does that mean? It means that you have to view your child as your child is going through an experience of Lel HaSeder. So when your kid is two years old, you give him a walnut and you give him this little nutcracker and you say, here you go, my kid. And the kid is playing around, he's playing around, he's having a good time, right? He finally gets the walnut to crack and then he eats the nut. He says, you have another one. It's a process. That's what you do with your children. The kid is three years old. He does it again. The kid is four years old. He does it again. The kid is five years old, six years old, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, right? The kid does this for ten, twelve, thirteen years just to instill in your child that the Lel HaSeder is enjoyable. That's it. That is the Chinuch of the Seder night. Yes, we got Lamar, the child who's able to participate, and he's and he's into the divrei Torah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that's true. But the goal of the Seder night, the primary goal of the Seder night, is one goal: to leave your child with the feeling that this is geshmak, this is fun. I enjoyed this. There was a lot of work and this and that, but I was sitting here playing with a walnut. I had a great night tonight. The goal of a Shabbos table is to leave your children with a feeling. And he says that a parent who for 10 years practices this, 
develops within themselves the ability to view their children as long-term investments. To stop thinking to themselves, get down, do this, say the Dvar Taira. That is short-term thinking. Those parents will not have as much Hatzlacha with their children as the ones who view their kids one night a year, on the year, on the night where it's, you will tell your child, what are you going to tell your child? Nothing. Nothing. You're going to go the whole night and you're going to see the kid, how did you enjoy? And they'll say, wow, this was so much fun. And you're like, this kid totally missed it. He missed almost everything that happened at the Seder. But that's not the point. The point is that you as a parent learned, learned how to relate to your child. That your child should have an enjoyable Seder. And if you do it long enough, then the sweetness and the zeesness of the Seder will stay with this child until he's an adult. So he'll never say, Ugh, this is so stupid, I don't understand why we're doing this, this is so stressful, I'm so depressed, I can't handle this, oh, I need to pick up my phone just to feel good. Picking up your phone to feel good, to tune out, to get out of this world, is the exact opposite of character development over the long term. And if we take a minute to just think about this one idea, that before a person works on anything, They have to just say to themselves, how will this affect me in the long run? How will I feel in the long run? Am I putting a penny into this savings account of my emotional bank so that in the long run, in 10 years from now, I will react differently when something happens in the world or to me or something personal happens? That is the purpose of every single day. But if you're working on it and you're trying to move it, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It has to be small, incremental steps that every day you do something. So that's the idea. And I want to ask you to think about that for a minute. Not through a screen, not through headphones, but for just one minute a day. Long term versus short term. And when something emotional happens to you, just ask yourself that one question. What is my long-term outlook on this? How will I feel in the long-term if I say this, if I react this way, if I do this? Forget any media. We didn't even start. Before we start and scratch the surface, we have to internalize this idea that the difference between successful and not successful people are people who have a healthy outlook on the long-term sustainability of any sort of development. If we can internalize that, then we can grow until no end. But if we can't, then every media is going to be, I need to change it now. I need to do this now. That's not something that's going to be here in a week, in a month, in a year, because we're still going to have fat brains. We got to start changing our minds. We got to start changing our brains. We got to start changing our attitude, our outlook in how we build ourselves. And then, the, then, and then the sky is the limit. Thank you all for joining. I will see you guys in Mr. in two weeks. NASA now at gmail.com for future updates. And Mr. Shem will be sending out a blast to all of you who signed up. Have a wonderful, amazing, amazing evening. Take care. Have a good night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.